Chapter Two of the Canadians of Old by Philippe Aubert de Gaspé, translated by Sir Charles G. D. Roberts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. D'Abreville and Cameron of Lochiel. Give me, oh, give me back the days when I, I too, was young and felt as they now feel each coming hour new consciousness of power the fields the grove the air was haunted and all that age has disenchanted give me oh give youth's passions unconfined the rush of joy that felt almost like pain Guta. archibald cameron of lochiel son of a highland chief who had wedded a daughter of france was but four years old when he lost his mother brought up by his father who was in the language of the scriptures a valiant hunter in the sight of god ever since ten years old he had followed him in the chase of the roebuck and other wild beasts scaling the highest mountains swimming the icy torrents making his couch on the wet sod with no covering but his plaid no roof but the vault of heaven under such a spartan training the boy came to find his chief delight in this wild and wandering life when archie was but twelve years old in the year seventeen forty five his father joined the standard of that unhappy young prince who after the old romantic fashion threw himself into the arms of his scottish countrymen and called upon them to win him back a crown which the bloody field of culloden forced him to renounce forever in the early days of this disastrous struggle courage was triumphant over numbers and discipline and their mountains re-echoed to their outmost isles the songs of victory the enthusiasm was at its height the victory seemed already won but short-lived was their triumph after achievements of most magnificent heroism they were forced to bow their necks to defeat lochiel shared the fate of the many brave whose blood reddened the heather on culloden an uncle of archie's who had also followed the standard and fortunes of the unhappy prince had the good fortune after the disaster of culloden to save his head from the scaffold through a thousand perils over a thousand obstacles he made good his flight to france with his orphan nephew the old gentleman ruined in fortune and under sentence of banishment was having a hard struggle to support himself and his charge when a jesuit an uncle of the boy on his mother's side undertook a share of the burden archie was sent to the jesuits college in quebec having completed a thorough course in mathematics he is leaving college when the reader makes his acquaintance archibald cameron of lochiel whom the harsh hand of misfortune had brought to an early maturity knew not at first what to make of a boy noisy troublesome and mocking who seemed the despair alike of masters and students to be sure the boy had not all the fun on his own side out of twenty canings and impositions bestowed upon his class jules d'aberville was sure to pocket at least nineteen for his share it must be acknowledged also that the older pupils driven to the end of their patience bestowed upon him sometimes more knocks than nuts 
but you would have thought the youngster regarded all this as an encouragement so ready was he to resume his tricks we may add that jules without being vindictive never wholly overlooked an injury in one way or another he always made matters even his satire his home thrusts which could bring a flush to the face of even the most self-possessed served his purpose very effectually with the masters or with those larger students whom he could not otherwise reach he had adopted it as his guiding principle that he would never acknowledge himself beaten and it was necessary therefore for his opponents when weary of war to make him proposals of peace the reader will doubtless conclude that the boy was cordially disliked on the contrary every one was fond of him he was the pet of the college the truth is jules had such a heart as pulses all too rarely in the breast of man to say that he was generous to a fault that he was ever ready to defend the absent to sacrifice himself in order to conceal the faults of others would not give an adequate description of his character the following incident will reveal him more effectively when he was about twelve years old a senior student got out of patience and kicked him with no intention however of hurting him much it was contrary to jules code of honor to carry complaints to the masters he contented himself with replying to his assailant you are too thick-headed you big brute for me to waste any sarcasm on you you would not understand it one must pierce your hide in some other way but be patient you will lose nothing by waiting after rejecting certain more or less ingenious schemes of vengeance jules resolved to catch his enemy asleep and shave his eyebrows a punishment which would be easy to inflict as dubuc the youth who had kicked him was a mighty heavy sleeper this plan had the further advantage of touching him on a most sensitive point for he was a handsome fellow and a good deal of a dandy jules had just decided on this revenge when he heard dubuc say to one of his friends who had rallied him on looking gloomy indeed i have good reason to be for i expect my father to-morrow i have got into debt with the shopkeepers hoping that my mother would come to quebec ahead of him and would relieve me without his knowing anything about it father is close-fisted and violent he will probably strike me in the first heat of his anger and i don't know where to hide my head i have a mind to run away until the storm is over oh said jules why don't you let me help you out of the scrape the devil you say exclaimed dubuc shaking his head why said jules do you think that on account of a kick more or less i would leave a fellow-student in a scrape and exposed to the violence of his amiable papa to be sure you almost broke my back but that is another affair which we will settle later how much cash do you want my dear fellow answered dubuc that would be abusing your kindness i need a large sum and i know you were not in funds just now for you emptied your purse to help that poor woman whose husband was killed the other day a pretty story said jules as if one could not always find money to save a friend from the wrath of a father who is going to break his neck how much do you want fifty francs you shall have them this evening said the boy 
jules an only son belonging to a rich family indulged by everybody had his pockets always full of money father and mother uncles and aunts godfathers and godmothers they all kept loudly proclaiming that boys should not have too much money to spend at the same time they outdid each other in surreptitiously supplying his purse dubuc however had spoken truly the boy's purse was empty for the moment fifty francs was moreover quite a sum in those days the king of france was paying his red allies only fifty francs for an english scalp his britannic majesty richer or more generous was paying a hundred for the scalp of a frenchman jules did not care to apply to his uncles and his aunts the only relations he had in the city his first thought was to borrow fifty francs by pawning his gold watch which was worth at least twenty-five louis revolving the matter however he bethought himself of a certain old woman a servant of the house whom his father had dowered at her marriage and to whom he had afterward advanced enough money to set her up in business the business had prospered in her hands she was a widow rich and childless there were difficulties to surmount however the old dame was rather avaricious and crusty and on the occasion of jules last visit they had not parted on the best terms possible she had even chased him into the street with a broomstick the boy had done nothing more however than play her a little trick he had given her pet spaniel a dose of snuff and when the old lady ran to the help of her dog who was conducting himself like a lunatic he had emptied the rest of the snuff-box into a dandelion salad which she was carefully picking over for her supper hold on mother he cried as he ran away there is a good seasoning for you jules saw that it was very necessary to make his peace with the good dame and hence these preliminaries he threw his arms about her neck on entering in spite of the old woman's attempt to shield herself from these too ardent demonstrations after the way he had affronted her see my dear madeleine he cried i am come to pardon thine offences as thou must pardon all who have offended against thee everybody says thou art stingy and revengeful but that is no business of mine thou wilt get quit of it by roasting a little while in another world i wash my hands of it entirely madeleine hardly knew whether to laugh or be angry at this fantastic preamble but as she was fond of the boy for all his tricks she took the wiser course and smiled good-naturedly now that we are in a better humor continued jules let us proceed to business i have been a little foolish and have got into debt and i dread to trouble my good father about it in fact i want fifty francs to settle the unfortunate business can you lend me that much indeed now master d'haberville answered the old dame if that were all i had in the world i would give it all to save your father any trouble i owe so much to your father tut said jules if you talk of those halfpennies there's an end of business but listen my good madeleine since i might break my neck when i least expect it or still more probably when climbing on the roof or among the city bells i must give you a bit of writing for security i hope however to pay you back in a month at latest 
at this madeleine was seriously offended she refused the note and counted him out the money jules almost choked her with his embrace sprang through the window into the street and hurried back to the college at recess time that evening de Buc was freed from all anxiety on the score of his amiable papa but remember said d'haberville i still owe you for that kick hold on dear boy exclaimed de Buc with feeling i wish you would settle that right now break my head or my back with the poker only let us settle it to think that after all you have done for me you are still bearing me a grudge would be nothing less than torture a fine idea that exclaimed the boy to think that i bear any one a grudge because i am in his debt in regard to a little exchange of compliments so that is how you take it eh shake then and let us think no more about it you may brag of being the only one to scratch me without my having drawn his blood in return with these words he sprang upon the young man's shoulders like a monkey pulled out a few hairs to satisfy his conscience and scampered off to join the merry group which was waiting for him archibald of lochiel matured by bitter experiences and on that account more self-contained and more reserved than other boys of his age on his first coming to college hardly knew whether to smile or be angry at the frolics of the little imp who seemed to have taken him for his special butt and who hardly left him any peace he could not be expected to divine that this was jules's manner of showing his affection for those he loved the most one day driven to the end of his forbearance archie said to him do you know you would try the patience of a saint verily i don't know what to do with you but you have a way out of your difficulties answered jules my skin itches give me a good hiding and i'll leave you in peace that will be easy enough for you you young hercules lochiel indeed accustomed from his infancy to the trying sports of the young highlanders was at fourteen marvellously strong for his years do you think exclaimed archie that i am such a coward as to strike a boy younger and weaker than myself oh no said jules i see we agree on that score never a knock for a little fellow what suits me is a good tussle with a fellow of my own age or even a little older then shake hands and think no more about it by the way continued jules you know that comical dog de chavigny he is older than i am but so weak and miserable that i have never had the heart to punch him although he has played me such a trick as even saint francis himself would hardly pardon just think of him running to me all out of breath and exclaiming i have just snatched an egg from that greedy le tourneau who had stolen it out of the refectory here hide it he's after me where do you want me to hide it said i oh in your hat he answered he'll never think of looking for it there as for me i was fool enough to do it i ought to have mistrusted him in a moment le tourneau came up and jammed my cap down over my eyes the accursed egg nearly blinded me and i swear did not smell like a rose garden it was an addled egg found by chevigny in a nest which the hen had probably abandoned a month before i got out of that mess with the loss of a cap a vest and other garments 
well after the first of my fury was over i could not help laughing and if i bear him any grudge at all it is for having got ahead of me with so neat a trick i should love to get it off on de rome who keeps his hair so charmingly powdered as for le tourneau since he was too stupid to have invented the trick himself i contented myself with saying to him blessed are they of little wit and he professed himself proud of the compliment being glad enough after all to get off so cheaply and now my dear archie continued jules let us come to terms i am a kindly potentate and my conditions shall be most easy to please you i undertake on the word of a gentleman to diminish by one-third those tricks of mine which you lack the good taste to appreciate come now you ought to be satisfied with that if you are not utterly unreasonable for you see my dear boy i love you i would not have made peace with any one else on such advantageous terms lochiel could not help laughing as he shook the irrepressible lad it was from this conversation that the friendship between the two boys took its beginning on archie's part with a truly scottish restraint on the side of jules with the passionate warmth of which the french heart is capable a few weeks later about a month before the vacation which began then on the fifteenth of august jules seized his friend's arm and whispered come into my room i have just had a letter from father which concerns you concerns me exclaimed the other in astonishment why are you surprised retorted d'haberville do you think you are not of sufficient importance for any one to concern himself about you why all new france is talking about the handsome scotchman the mamas fearing your influence on the inflammable hearts of their daughters talk seriously of petitioning our principal never to let you appear in public except with a veil on like the women of the east come stop your fooling and let me go on with my reading but i am very much in earnest said jules and dragging his friend along with him he read him part of a letter from his father which ran as follows what you tell me about your young friend master de lochiel interests me very much i grant your request with the greatest pleasure give him my compliments and beg him to come and spend his next vacation with us and all his vacations so long as he is attending college if he does not consider this invitation sufficiently formal i will write to him myself his father sleeps upon a glorious field soldiers are brothers everywhere so should their sons be likewise let him come to our own hearthstone and our hearts shall open to him as to one of our own blood archie was so affected by the warmth of this invitation that for some moments he could not answer come my haughty scotlander will you do us the honour said his friend or must my father send on a special embassy his chief butler jos dubay with the bagpipes slung on his back in the form of a st andrew's cross as is the custom i believe among your highland chiefs to present you his invitation with all due formality as fortunately i am no longer in my highlands said archie laughing we can dispense with these formalities i shall write at once to captain d'haberville and thank him with my whole heart for his noble generosity to the exiled orphan 
then let us speak reasonably for once said jules if only for the novelty of the thing you think me very light silly and scatterbrained i acknowledge that there is a little of all that in me which does not prevent me from being in earnest more often than you think i have long been seeking a friend a true and high-hearted friend i have watched you very closely and i find you all i could wish lochiel will you be my friend without a moment's question my dear boy answered archie for i have always felt strongly attracted toward you well then cried jules grasping his hand warmly it is for life and death with us lochiel thus between a boy of twelve and a boy of fourteen was ratified a friendship which in the sequel will be exposed to the cruelest tests here's a letter from mother said jules in which there is a word for you i hope your friend master de lochiel will do us the pleasure of accepting your father's invitation we are all eager to meet him his room is ready alongside of your own in the box which jose will hand you there is a parcel for him which he would grieve me greatly by refusing in sending it i am thinking of the mother he has lost the box contained equal shares for the two boys of cakes sweetmeats jams and other dainties the friendship between the two boys grew stronger day by day they became inseparable their college-mates dubbed them variously damon and pythias orestes and pylades nisus and euryalus at last they called them the brothers all the time lochiel was at college he spent his vacations with the d'abervilles who made no difference between the two boys unless to lavish the more marked attentions upon the young scotchman who had become as it were a son of the house it was most natural then that archie before sailing for europe should accompany jules on his farewell visit to his father's house the friendship between the two young men as we have already said is destined to be put to the bitterest trial when that code of honor which has been substituted by civilization for the truest sentiments of the human heart shall come to teach them the obligations of men who are fighting under hostile flags but why anticipate the dark future have they not enjoyed during almost ten years of college life the passing griefs the little jealousies the eager pleasures the differences and ardent reconciliations which characterize a boyish friendship End of chapter two